Welcome in, folks. Pop 6 back on the air here as we've reached October. And as you're listening to this this weekend, it's almost feeling like October. Uh, we're getting there. Halloween's a few weeks away, so we're talking about a movie about a dude that sort of wears a mask. That's kind of where we are here. Not exactly, but you're seeing it in theaters right now. And The Fiend is going for the Universal Championship on Sunday night at Hell in a Cell. And Joker has hit theaters, which means Joaquin Phoenix, that performance is now out there in the ether for everyone to absorb and talk about. And uh, Brad Willis and I went and screened it on Tuesday night. I wrote about it at the Big Six blog, about 1,500 words. You can read what I had to say without spoilers there. So let's go ahead and say this right off the top. We are assuming, if you are listening to this, that you don't care whether it is spoiled because you've either, one, seen it and want to get into a deeper discussion and hear what we have to say about it, or two, aren't sure you want to see it but don't care if stuff gets spoiled. You just want to hear what's going on because it's certainly in the news right now. It's what people are talking about. And so we were super excited, Brad, because we're both Batman guys, like huge. That's probably, if you named the number one piece of pop culture in my life that has meant the most to me that has led me down this pathway. It is the Batman universe and the Joker character in particular, I think is, is the villain that has brought me to the dance. It's the one that I love the most. I would say maybe Frank Gorshin's Riddler in the old 66 show was the one that I enjoyed the most as a kid. Oh, even though I thought Cesar Romero's Joker was very good. But as we've gotten further, the more comics that I've read, whenever the Joker popped up in a Batman comic, you knew that one mattered. That right. one was a big deal. Yeah. Batman, the animated series, anything that, that oh. yeah, anything Joker's a part of, you know, is going to be big time. And, and that's, that was certainly the general feeling coming into this movie. Oh yeah. You For know, sure, it, it, because um, going in, very unsure as to what it might all mean. We we'd heard what director Todd Phillips had said that this was going to be something that didn't connect to the greater DC universe, but you never know. Um, and, and we've heard people lie before, yeah. especially in po- oh no, I've told you, I've said this before on this podcast. I've never bought this from the beginning, but J.J. Abrams. No, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's a completely new character that has nothing to do with Khan. That was about Khan. That's about what that Con. whole thing was. That's who he was. So when Todd Phillips, who's known for not movies like this. Not at all. But if you actually read about him, he is a much more esoteric thinker and someone that is very smart. And this is the kind of thing he's wanted to do. But he, you know, made his way being a creepy dude, making cameos in funny comedies. Very toilet, but high-end comedies like Old School and the Hangover Trilogy and things of that nature. But he said, look, this wasn't going to be that, but he could easily just weave it in there and let that be a nice surprise for people that hoped that it would be, as opposed to saying, yes, we're going to stay true to this, because then you actually have to. And so he didn't. He was able to tell whatever story he wanted, and he benefited from the fact that the Joker has no accepted origin story whatsoever. So whatever he said, as long as it was plausible... He could make that work. Sure. Just just as though if you go back to watch the Batman from 1989, Jack Napier is the Joker. Yep. And, you know, his origin story is falling in a vat of chemicals. Um, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker with the scars that his father gave him and all those. I mean, every story for, about the Joker is different. Every one of them acceptable in their own way because there is no canon that actually says this is this is it. This is the only way. So going into this, he he did have his opportunity to tell his own story. 
he he took an interesting approach. Yeah. Um and and I think intentionally left more questions than he gave us answers for. Yeah, and I think that's good. I I don't think that the Joker needs to be someone I can define perfectly. I don't think that that character needs to be one where I can say, well, he came from here. Right. And this is why he is this way. And all this. And Todd Phillips bordered on telling me why he was this way at times during this film. But before we get into the details of it, overall, I think we walked out with a very similar feeling about it, which was, I don't know what the hell we just saw. Like, <laughs> That's I, a great I, way I, of putting it. I don't know what that was in terms of how I felt about it. I knew it was well done. Yes. I knew it was incredibly well directed. Uh, I loved the score. I, I was, thought that it, it all played compelling. out. It was captivating, to say the least. And Joaquin Phoenix put forth, I told my wife, I'd say maybe one of the five best acting performances I can recall in my 40 years on this earth. You and I spoke on the way out of the theater, and I believe uh, the words that were basically shared between the two of us are really compelling, really well done, can't say that I enjoyed it. Yeah. Because it's not an enjoyable watch. No, you should not. Like There was one critic that came out who I like, he's a friend, and he said, that's my favorite movie of the year so far. I said, that's a weird thing to say <laughs> about this particular movie. This is not a feel-good romp. No. This is not Toy Story 4. No. This is not one of the Marvel films with the happy ending. By design, this thing was meant from the very beginning to make you uncomfortable, to make you uneasy, and to be difficult to watch but impossible to look away from. And in that effort, it 100% oh, no succeeded. Yeah, no doubt. 100% succeeded. And, and we should say one more time because we're probably about to get into some, some heavy spoilerific. Spoilers, yes. Yes. Turn this off and come back to it after you've seen it if you absolutely. don't want to know what's going on. The next the next few minutes are going to, to absolutely destroy any semblance of mystery going into this movie because there's really no way to talk about this movie nope. without getting into the what's, why's, and, and, and it's just going to get spoiler heavy. So this is your last warning. Don't send a text or a tweet that says, man, you totally spoiled the movie for us. Yep. This is it. Um, Arthur Fleck. Yep. Hard to watch on camera. It was weird when I saw P. Fleck. Yes. First time on the yeah. mailbox, I'm like yeah. PJ Fleck. <laughs> like I know, I was trying to remember the slogan that guy, he was using. Guy that lives with his mother. Yes, wannabe stand-up comedian. Very wannabe. Um, and, and 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 a clown by trade. But you know, you've seen stand-up comedians that have kind of this this painful delivery, oh, and yeah. their whole bit is, "I'm not funny at all." That's why I'm funny. I don't realize I'm funny. I'm too cool for the, like, the Mitch Hedberg, exactly. Stephen Wright. Mitch Hedberg is exactly who popped into my head because the absurdity of his comedy was what was so funny about the it. The best thing about Mitch Hedberg was, well, not the best thing about him, but the thing that's most memorable about him is the fact that most of the time that I watched him, and I caught him very early on and just loved what he did, he stared at the floor like he didn't even feel like he should be in front of an audience. And I remember yeah. he did his 30-minute Comedy Central Presents special and apologized numerous times through yeah. it for stuff not working and him needing a real job and all this kind of stuff. It's just like, this dude is either dangerously depressed <laughs> or one of the most brilliant people I've ever seen. And I think the answer was yes. Both. <laughs> yeah. The answer was he unfortunately was both. If you've, never, if you've never seen Mitch Hedberg... Find it. You get great jokes like my, great my friend asked me if I wanted a frozen banana now, and I said no, but, but I do want a regular <laughs> banana later, so 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just absurdity, you know? Like, sometimes I'll make a baked potato even if I don't want one. I'll just throw it in the oven, and by the time it's done, who knows? You know, <laughs> like, those are the kinds of things. But but so when you watch Joaquin Phoenix's, you know, per, portrayal of a wannabe stand-up comedian, there are times when you watch it and you're trying like, to feel like if he is sort of meta correct understands exactly what it is he's doing he's got that Kristen shawl that but, mitch hedberg about him but what you come to to find out is, is no he's not funny in the least no. he's tortured he's, and he's troubled he's hurting and i mean look when you see him at first when he's a clown and he's spinning the sign around yes you've you know, seen that in the trailer yeah and you know what's coming yeah punk kids Take it from him, bully him, beat him down, kick him around. And then the next time that kids try to bully him, he shoots them all dead. Yeah. Yeah. Three of them. I don't remember if it was three that took the sign or not. It, it was, was more than three. It yeah, was more like than one three. of them hit him with the sign, obviously. Yep. And then they all, you know, went on him like the kids with Kramer in Seinfeld in the karate episode. Yes. But so he was a guy who snapped. And what you saw was him snapping. You saw everything that led to. Arthur Fleck devolving into pure evil. Well, yes. not even just evil, just pure chaos. And again, the and I told you he's this, out of control. The the most truthful line in that whole thing is him sitting there on the talk show set and saying, "No, this isn't political at all. I don't believe in anything." That right. is the essence of the Joker character that I've come to know is. Whatever can just be a mess, that's what I want to cause. What you go... So, here's here are a couple things that I'm, that I'm left with. The story begins with uh, with this guy who we don't know much about. He lives with his mother. We know he's weird. We know he's weird. He lives with his mother, which we don't quite know how troubled she is yet. But yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah, that takes a little time. Yeah. But the closer you get, the more you find out. But this story, and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this, is is told through the lens of his perception. Oh, yeah. Okay? No question. He's the narrator, if you will. There's no narration. It's not like, you know, Fred Savage in the Wonder Years. There's no narration, but he is the narrator. And what we come to find out is that he's a pretty unreliable narrator. Yes. Which... I think we'll get to this conversation later. Yeah, we've got to get to a few th different theories about this thing. But but what you find is he has a very skewed sense of reality. Yes. Um, and, and, and perhaps once two hours have passed and you've stood up from the movie theater and you leave, you're still not even sure how skewed his sense of reality is. Yes. And you're, I think that intentionally Todd Phillips wanted you to not be quite certain of the validity of virtually everything you were seeing from moment to moment. Again, it's it reminded me so much of Sam Esmail and Mr. Robot in the first couple of seasons of that show where you didn't know if it was a figment of Elliot Alderson's imagination or whether or not what you were seeing was real. You didn't know. It's like Fight Club. American it's Psycho. Very, yeah, absolutely. It's like, is this real or is this some kind of fever dream or is this some kind of... right? crazy dark fantasy of some other character and it, it's it had a lot of tenets and i thought it was weird that there were only two trailers in the screening that that we saw usually sometimes there are none right but there were two and they were odd choices mm -hmm. they were dark choices and sort of weird and one of them had edward norton in it 
I was like, oh, cool, he's still alive. Like, because I haven't seen him for a while there. He was like the guy. And he then was, yeah. he just disappeared into thin air. That movie looked really good, by the way. It looked, it did. And I was sitting there thinking about Fight Club, and I was just like, are we going to find out he's talking to himself? And, right. you know, the whole Tyler Durden and, and everything that surrounded that film. This thing was very much designed to be a mind bleep. Oh, 100%. From start to finish. Yeah, it really wants to screw with your brain from from start to finish and succeeds in that. Um, it, it establishes too many things. So, for example, we we understand that his, that his goal is to be a stand-up comic. Yes. His mother told him that he was brought into this world to put a smile on people's faces, to make people laugh. And we also know what it is that he and his mom spent time doing, which was watching the equivalent of Johnny Carson. Correct. It, it, Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. Uh, I was gosh. about to look it up because it just disappeared out of my vocab as yeah. soon as I said that. Mitchell Franklin? Mi- yeah. yeah. Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin. Thanks. Murray! Yeah. Murray Franklin. Yeah. It, funny enough, Small Easter egg here. As you see the first episode of Murray Franklin, mm-hmm. the local news is is wrapping up. Mm-hmm. It's signing off for the night. Mm-hmm. The theme music that they're playing as they wrap their broadcast is the old theme music from the scene at 6 on Channel 4 in the early 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is we were kind of debating when it took place. Yes. And one of my critic friends in Bowling Green, Michael Compton, told me, he goes, it was, it's summer of 81. You can tell by the movies that are playing at the theater that Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot. That's right. walking out of. That, if, yes. Like, that was June or July of 1981. He just, like, immediately brought that up. And I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. got it. Because I thought it was a little bit earlier than that. His wife had thought it was in the 70s. He's like, no, it's 81. They, that's why they showed the movies, so that you could actually time it makes sense close to it like that but yeah it so when you look at the reviews of it so far very polarizing very much not not the performance nobody no i don't i haven't seen one person that said joaquin phoenix didn't blow that thing completely out of the water well in in terms of how well he did what he was asked to do i take a handful of those with a grain of salt because we we as a society have gotten so accustomed to a comic book movie being one thing, yeah, and this is completely different. This is what did we say when we did like ten minutes on this? A couple of episodes of this podcast ago, we talked about how it's like an art house take on a superhero story. Sure, and that's not even really what it turned out to be. It's more of a. It's I don't know if it's study. a character study think, exactly, but that's probably closer to it. And so when we read the. I read the Wired piece and one in the Atlantic from people that had seen it in Venice, and they were upset, and they were talking about how it sort of explained away bad behavior based on well, circumstances and factors. And I rolled my eyes and thought, yeah, of course, because everybody's got to be outraged. It can't just be a movie. Then I, then I watched it, and I recognized myself feeling a little bit of sympathy for someone that you're probably not supposed to be rooting for well again this dives into spoilers pretty heavily but what you find out is that his mother was a paranoid schizophrenic with delusional tendencies who had a boyfriend that beat him abused him chained him to a radiator radiator. yep um beat him within an inch of his life could have been worse i'm glad they didn't go into that Uh, oh absolutely um but but certainly there's an explanation. Here's the thing. A friend of mine who was at the movie, I was talking to him in the parking lot, and I said, if you're going to create a supervillain movie these days, 
you have to give them the backstory that's believable. For someone to carry on the way that this character carries on, you almost have to establish that he was not born with this complete lack of awareness. All those things. It, It certainly makes sense to explain how he came to be in this way. And... But it's a balancing I, act. It's a, real, it's a balancing say, act. You've got to be real you careful. You do, but I dare say that most people who who are violent in and 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 yeah, that there are factors criminal that contributed activity, to it. There are factors that have contributed to that. And and if you were to tell the story of their life, you might look at that situation and say, "Wow, that's that's really unfortunate. I feel for that guy, but he still made a really bad choice, or she yes. made a really bad choice." Yes. And you have to rise above your circumstances at some point. Yeah. But but the, the circumstances are really stacked against Arthur Fleck. Yeah, I just feel like at some point you want a villain to be a villain. And you made the Joker relatable to me in a way that pro wrestling is now having big struggles in creating villains because even the villains come out and just play villain. Sure. And they do the things that are going to get the critics to say, ah, I want to see more of him because he's very good at being a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Instead of, I want to see that guy get his rear end kicked because he's a bad guy. Like, there's a difference there. So there's shades of gray that started around the turn of the century, not just in pro wrestling, but in TV. You had Tony Soprano, who you found yourself rooting for. You had Don Draper. You had Walter White, who you're about to see on El Camino on Netflix with that movie coming out. You had Frank Underwood until Kevin Spacey became a real villain. Exactly. And so... When you create a character like Joker and you give him a story like this, then I start to feel like he's in that classification. And that's not really the way that I want to feel about that character. Well, it appears there's certain subsets and there are groups of people who are grabbing on to this idea. And certainly throughout the course of the movie, there were people who grabbed onto the idea that he was an anti-hero to be cheered. Yeah, he's not. I, he's not. And I and I never really kind of felt like at any point in this movie that I really wanted to root for him, but I did feel badly for him until he got to a point. Well, here was my thing, and I, this is just humanity in me because I had seen what had happened to him prior. What he did on the subway and chasing the one kid as well, Yeah, I did not feel sorry for those kids. No, and that was the problem. And he killed them. Yeah, like it he, wasn't he, that he got he revenge; killed, he murdered them in cold blood. He killed three, because they were jerks. Three young men in cold blood. But at the same time, you couldn't root for them because they were completely out of line. Yes, there was nobody to root for. I'm trying to think who was rootable in this entire film. The the little person the neighbor. Oh yeah. I mean, you only saw her the the twice. But I you, mean, yeah, very little character development with Zazie. Is it Zazie, Zazie Beats. Beats from uh, Atlanta? Yeah, she's a great actress. She is not a lot to work with. There's here. nothing to work with for anybody here. Yeah, I mean, De Niro was good in his role. I liked what he did for the most part. I never for a second didn't know I was watching Robert De Niro. It's not like I lost sight. Yeah, that was of the, the one that thing. Was De Niro. That's the one thing about having an actor the, the level of De Niro play that is you can't really check out on that. Yeah. It's almost like he's watching the Tonight Show with Robert De Niro. Exactly. Yeah. So so a lot of things were going on there, but so they did create sympathy for the character. The criticism has gone around the way that they treated mental illness and the way that they showed the violence. Yes. And my thing on that is, 
I've seen a lot worse when it comes to violence. Oh, I watched Tarantino films in the past. <laughs> I saw Kill Bill. I know it was stylized. Yeah. We discussed this actually in the studio a couple of days ago about how if you go back to 89, mm-hmm. Nicholson gassed like the town. The entire city of Gotham. Yes. Yes. And then, of course, Heath Ledger blew up a hospital. Yes. And while wearing a nurse's outfit and saying, hi. <laughs> it was funny in the moment, but he blew up a hospital. The difference is it wasn't one-to-one. Now, we assume that Joker is going to go on to do some heinous stuff after we stop watching. Absolutely. But if you total up the body count, it was seven, I think is what we came we, to. Six or seven, It yeah. was three on the subway. Yep. It was the therapist at the end. We yeah. assume. We and, assume. And that's the, that was the one I was going to say it might not be seven. We assume that. We assume it because the orderlies are then chasing him. Yes. And he's got bloody footprints. But that could also be a just a an allusion to what he's already done. Yes. He's responsible for the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne inadvertently. Yes. Just because, and this is sort of interesting, and I don't know if this was a point Todd Phillips was intentionally trying to make, but a lot of people latch on to a point of view or, oh, this is what this guy is doing. Mm -hmm. I agree with this. Eat the rich. You know, whatever it might be. And that's not what they were doing. That's why I hate art aficionados that tell me what a painter meant. Correct. In 1600 when they painted this deal. It's like, oh, he clearly had seen this and this was this part of his life. It's like, it might not have been, though. Those three men on the subway, it had zero to do with their socioeconomic status. He didn't even know. And he, didn't care. He was tired of being beaten down. Yes. He was tired of being Arthur Fleck. Yes. And notice as soon as he did what he did, and this I thought was just as good as you can watch an actor, when he went into the bathroom and started dancing by himself and like started to smile and realized, hey, I kind of like the way I feel right now. You right. thought he would go in there and maybe start crying or something because, oh my gosh, I just killed three people. No. Went the exact opposite way, just like he had found himself in that moment. So one thing that he's told about, I want to say in the second act, is that Thomas Wayne, who is a prominent figure in this movie. Played by, by the way, played by a guy that is almost always a villain. Yes. In every single thing you almost ever see him in. Yes. This guy, Brett Cullen. Yeah is like the consummate dude, like Robert Wise back in the day. There are some guys, every time you see him, you're like, well, that guy's going to be up to no good. <laughs> yeah, well, and you kind of feel that way throughout this, even you though do. even though he, to many people, uh, appears to be the savior of Gotham. He's running for mayor, um, and, and, and he sets off a little bit of this firestorm because, you know, he, he basically takes a stand between the rich and the poor, and saying that, you know, you've got these, you know, clown-faced people killing in the city and, you know, he's going to put a stop to it because, you know, the dividing line really comes down to economics. But what we find from from um, Arthur's mother, and it's been teased and it's been built, and then finally you get to a point where he reads a letter and and the, the insinuation is that he is the son of Thomas Wayne. Through an affair, right? Yes, she worked for Thomas Wayne 30 years prior. Right. And as part of this affair, he was born. Now, again, the mother, delusional, has her own set of mental illness. Um, and so he sets out to, 
to kind of meet his father and and the, the response is that that's not true. You were adopted. Your mother was institutionalized. Now, the thing about that is, who do you believe? Because a whole lot of people say, no, you're not my kid, because they don't want the responsibility right. of you being their kid. We've right. seen Mari Povich when the made chips a are down. on Right, that. right. Yeah, and the chips are down. He's going to say, no, you're not my child. You were adopted, and your mother was institutionalized, and his words are, she was crazy. I will tell you, I perked up when I heard her mention Thomas Wayne's name, because when I heard that, I said, oh, okay, so we are in this universe. Because Todd Phillips had, had said for months, this was how a Joker-like figure could be created. Yeah. Then you find out, one, we're in Gotham City, two, Thomas Wayne is a key figure here, and yes. then you knew he's going to go try to see his father he's probably going to run into somebody else. Yes. Which is precisely what happened as he ran into a young Bruce Wayne and an overbearing Alfred yes. as well. Yes. Um, so, so, so this kind of begins a handful of questions. Uh, um, some of the questions that are, you, you find out that his relationship with the neighbor isn't quite what you expect it to be. It's, I'll go spoiler light yeah. on that. It's not what you expect it to be. Uh, it's what I expected it to be. Yeah. When you're watching it, you can see through this one, yeah. I think. Yeah. I, certainly upon 2020 being, hindsight being 2020 and looking back, you go, well, yeah, that never made a whole lot of sense. His 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 mother giving him information. We're not sure if it's true. We think it's true immediately. Then there are some things that make us think it's not true. Then we think it's true again based on some other things. It's intentionally frantic it's very obtuse and yes. again i keep going back to mr robot mr robot which was also about kind of an uprising by somebody that didn't even know they were in control of an uprising which is what you see towards the end of this thing and there's people wearing masks i think of mr robot i think of v for vendetta even though that guy knew exactly what he was doing in the alan moore story so yeah this is even the way it's shot even the way that the soundtrack kind of drones underneath it there is a tenor of we are going to shoot this from angles that are going to make you less than sure of anything. And it's almost going to give you motion sickness if you're not careful because you're so used to seeing things shot one way right. that when you see them shot a different way, it is jarring. And even, you know what, even the way that they put the title card on the screen, and I wasn't surprised in the least when I saw this. When Joker just boom, like yeah, fills the entire screen. screen with like this block font. It's just, it's in your face. It's unapologetic about what it's doing. And I wonder whether or not it senses any responsibility in what it's putting out there. Because I'm not going to go into detail, but I fear for this movie. I don't fear for the movie. I fear for the fact that it exists, and I've never felt that way. Yesterday, I went and sat down with my pastor, actually, and we talked about Joker mm. as part of this discussion. It's the first time I'd ever really had a conversation with him. And I said, this is the first time I've written a review where I've said, I don't know if we're better off for this having existed, despite how good it might actually be. It's an interesting, t it's an interest interesting thought. It's just... I'm just conflicted about it yeah. in so many ways. Well, you almost as to have the Joker, you almost need Batman. Oh yeah, to just. just I mean, they're yin and yang. I hand mean, him his ass, yes, and you know, let it, let it. You take care of it. 
so that you don't leave going, oh, my God, we kind of live in a world where this could be. Because when you come out of the theater, you want to be like, well, yeah, that was really bad when that existed, but at least Batman took care of it. Yeah, I mean, the other problem is nothing in it is outrageously implausible. Except that he was allowed to stay on the talk show set after shooting Murray Franklin long enough to have whatever conversation he had beforehand. Right. Outside of that, there's nothing that took place in that film that couldn't have happened. It wasn't yeah. in space somewhere with all these lasers and things no. that could not be done. Nothing is more frightening than the thing that scares you to death that could happen. It's I was never worried about the stand. I was never worried about Pennywise, the right. alien clown, but I was terrified as a kid of Kathy Bates as Annie Wilkes in Misery. Yeah. Because, yeah, some crazy woman could grab an author, kidnap him, and break his ankles and do all this stuff because she's delusional. Like, that stuff to me, that's why psychological suspense sometimes is much more effective than a monster movie. I can tell you there's no monster in my closet. I can tell you that there's not a Yeti underneath my bed. Yeah. Brutus Beefcake's not under my bed. He's not. <laughs> but it's a movie about the home invasion Oh yeah, the that, strangers is right. the thing that yeah. that I'll never forget. Yeah. Like that and that's what this was. And I think that's why this resonates more and is scarier than any Joker that's come before because of how real. He's not climbing out of a vat of chemicals. No. You know. He's he's he is he is devolving out of his own circumstances. So we're half hour in here. We get to the end of the film itself. I would say that the last 20 minutes of this film were very, very good. I don't think I want to see this movie again. It's just too hard to watch. I wrote in my review at the Big Six blog that this is in Requiem for a Dream territory, which is about as hard to watch a film as mm. you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. That was brilliantly done by Darren Aronofsky, but you yep. just you see it once, you're like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yep. I don't have the urge to see Joker again, and I love that character, and I think that that speaks a lot for just how tough this is. But from the talk show on, mm -hmm. or maybe even from the dance down the steps. Yeah, that's kind of what I was the thinking. Cops, yeah. After he changes his hair green, yes. and he comes out, and okay, now this is the Joker. Fully realized. Yes. And, of course, you hear Murray Franklin earlier say, this Joker. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, well, we know where this is going. From that point on, I would like to see that again because I thought that that was really well done. The talk show thing, I'll make a comparison here in a second that you made that, that I have thought about more and more since. And then I thought that the best shot of the entire film was the ambulance crashing into the police car, pulling him out almost like he was a messiah-like figure to these people that have nothing to believe in that are anarchists that are whatever you want to try and classify them as laying him on the, on that car mm -hmm. and then he wakes up stands up paints the blood smile and then throws his hands up like randy orton and then you're just kind of there's just this deal where he realizes oh i'm the face of chaos that's okay that's a great point to jump off here he is now the face of chaos we we talked earlier about how this is a movie with an untrustworthy narrator. Yep. He wanted to be a big deal. He wanted to be a stand-up comic. And at one point during his set, he tells a joke, which we find out later no one laughed to, but you hear the roars of applause and laughter in his head. Yeah. 
you see the the interplay between he and a woman who later we find out knows him from afar yeah. but has no intimate knowledge of him at all. Yes. And he has now devolved after killing three men on a subway into being the embraced face of an entire movement. Yep. This man who was nothing. But who always wanted to be and something. always wanted to be something. But he's an unreliable narrator. So I left the theater because there is a scene after all of that that, um, that puts him back into a, a situation where he's institutionalized. Which we already know he had been before. We do. We do. We'd seen a, a cutaway of, of some time. And it's Arkham. That's not some giant surprise. Right. Yeah. I was left with this, and, I, and I, I'm glad I, I did some reading, and I'm not the only one. And it turns out I believe this was an intentional move by Todd Phillips. The question that I was left with was, did anything we see really happen? Or... Is this just Brad Pitt after the LSD cigarette? Is this <laughs> right? Is or is this American Psycho? Is this something that's playing out in this twisted man's mind, where he ends up being the hero, if you will, when he ends up being the focal point of a movement, because his life is so inconsequential that he has nothing, and the only thing that he could ever hope for is just to matter to someone. Did did we win? Because as you mentioned, as he stands up on the hood of the car and he's being cheered, there's there's a there's a stylistic choice that's made there. It cuts to black, a hard, it's over, mm -hmm. and then we're introduced to him into the white room in a white room, institutionalized, talking to a therapist yeah. type. Second, and weirdly enough, not because, I don't think it was intentional, but maybe it was just to show that there were similarities. Another African American woman, much like his social like worker, the one that he yes. had spoken to earlier in the movie. Yes, yeah. It's almost as if he's projected everything Something new. Yes, or but the question is when if they if you buy that, which I don't necessarily, but it's intriguing to think about when when does that start? Well, so the other question does is: Does he kill Murray Franklin, and that's all? Like he gets arrested, and then the next thing he goes to Arkham, but yeah. he creates in his head. This deal where he's saved and becomes right. Well, you know, you may want to look at it and you say we want to we want to take this literally that everything we saw is 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 what happened, and then you want to look at it and you say, well, maybe everything about this is figurative, and nothing we saw is what happened. But we do know that there were some things that he that the that the director told us this is in his head. I'm going to show you that this is in his head. So maybe we have to understand that. It's literal and figurative. There mm -hmm. are things about this that are actually playing out, and there are things about this that aren't. And you're very much left to decide on your own when, when the lights come up what it is that you believe, whether or not you believe that's the thing you just saw. One, just separate questions, because I there's not really anything to say there other than that's sure. intriguing. And then I had someone else posit me the theory after seeing it Tuesday night with us that what if... He was never crazy to begin with, that this was a defense mechanism that he created, that he was brilliant and conniving the way that the Joker has been known to be throughout Batman's history because of what his mom tried to convince him of, knowing that she's a paranoid, delusional, schizophrenic, and that a lot of this was him being a mastermind. I think you could, I think that's a little bit more of a reach. Yeah. But a couple of questions that you're left with, 
one, do you wish he was the half-brother? Because without an origin story and with these two characters married throughout history as basically being the same person coming from a completely opposite direction, one that believes in chaos, one that believes in order and getting things under control, but both tortured and both loners. And there's a lot of their Cain and Abel almost about how it's approached. I had, I, it, in watching that, I had a passing moment that I let slide by that was, uh, so, so they're Austin Powers and Dr. Evil. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then I thought, dummy, that's not what this movie's about. Keep watching it. Get that out of your head. Uh, there was I, a little I, person in it, too. I, I, there was. I kind of liked the idea. I was intrigued by the idea that he could be Bruce Wayne's half-brother. And, and, as, and as, again, Joker being very ambiguous in, in his origin story, I thought, what a way to set that up because we've already kind of had this sixth sense moment where they, yeah. you know, they lift the curtain, they go, Oh, by the way, yeah. she was never there. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden now it's like, wait a second. He's, he's Thomas Wayne's child. Right. Yeah. And um, of course all the stuff that he goes through with Batman, he would never have to know. True. That Batman was Bruce Wayne throughout that. But that was, point. but that was also left in a very ambiguous manner for you to decide. I think I think Thomas Wayne was lying. I think that the mother was crazy. Well, which is it? You know, it it but you think of the unintended consequences another another one of the final questions that I have which is just everything that happened if it happened if you buy into what you saw resulted in the death of Bruce Wayne's parents at the hands of I guess we're to assume that's Joe Chill, but that Joe Chill was just inspired by this fictitious movement. That was never there, that he latched on to mm-hmm. eat the rich, there's the rich, there's the powerful. We're taking back the power. It's the equivalent of Occupy in the age. And I think that Todd Phillips, I don't know what kind of statement he's trying to make other than that this kind of thing can happen in a climate that's this polarized politically, socially, and otherwise. And I watched it and thought to myself, this kind of thing could very easily happen. Oh, sure. The haves and have-nots are growing further and further apart. Social media exacerbating it by telling you how far they are growing apart, the money that's to be made in vitriol and not in unity, all of this stuff. And who would rise up during a time like that? A just totally chaotic, don't believe in anything, almost like the purge. Right. In the form of one guy. Yeah. Who became almost, who would have become a martyr mm-hmm. had he died? But I liked. I also thought I the masks thought reminded for a me moment. of the bank heist. They very much did, and I thought for a moment that he had died. Yeah, it was. It was it when was, they laid him on the car. When they laid him on the car from I, the crash. Yes. Would you have liked to have seen that been the well, case? Well, yeah, because as that's happening, the Wayne family's being murdered. Yeah, and you realize, or I thought at the moment, well, this is someone taking the mantle. You know, we don't realize it. He doesn't realize it. But the person who's now killing the Wayne family as this Joker is dying has just assumed leadership of this movement. Right. But, I mean, again, if we're to believe what we saw on screen, that's that's not what happened. So is there more coming from this? Well, you very well could. You very well could. And, and frankly, it would not break my heart to see Robert Pattinson's Batman somehow have to deal with this Joker. 
And I think that you could tell this the story that, you know, 40 years later, although it would put this guy at about 65 years old, um, you know, that, that this joker could still be, you know, re- of course, that's assuming that's assuming that, um, you know, that joker is present day or that, that the Batman movie is present day. And I don't believe that it will be. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see it because I, I, I'd frankly like to see him get his. It de- yeah, exactly. You know? They definitely create a scenario where you'd like to see him yeah. get got. Absolutely. Like Heath Ledger, I kind of I loved Heath Ledger. So yeah. I didn't really want to see him get got. Yeah. And usually you don't want to see supervillains get killed. But this guy would probably be better off. Well, and it looked for a while as though he might take care of himself. And that's the thing that he kept kind of teasing that, you know, that – that he might not survive at his own hand yeah. throughout this movie. And but I think the whole point was he didn't care. I mean, if you go didn't. back to the joke in his diary that says, I hope my death is worth makes more sense than yes. my life, and he yeah. spells sense like, like it's money. a monetary yeah. value yeah. as opposed to the way that we, we commonly or colloquially respect it, I think that there is definitely a death wish behind that character as well. Well, he's miserable. Yes. He's a miserable human being. His life gonna, has zero yeah. quality. Yeah. Um, He's not respected. He's not liked. Uh, he 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 has you know he has no family. Some of that by his own doing. Yes. Um, not surprised he killed her. By the way. Yeah, that that kind of felt like it was heading that way for a while. Uh, and socioeconomically, he's he's in dire straits. He has very little to live for, except that he wants to be considered you know the face, the face of the movement. So what is or something? He wants to be important. I think Joaquin Phoenix will win Best Actor unless the controversy over the things that we've discussed a little bit, mental illness and all that, make people run from the movie. Well, and and, and frankly, there's a lot of concern about what the public will do with this movie. Um, I'm very worried about that. I've yeah. said that. I said that to my wife. I've said that on the Big Six on Wednesday night's program, I, and I don't want to cause it. But I know there's a lot of people out there without support systems yes. that feel miserable, that feel lost, that feel like they're alone, that feel like they're empty, that have gone through some of the stuff that we see Penny Fleck putting Arthur through as a child and all this stuff. All it takes is one. Let's not let's not forget that I watched The Dark Knight Rises back-to-back in IMAX in Opry Mills when I was still living in Kentucky. Drove down and watched it, bought tickets, stayed in the theater and watched it back-to-back, never even left the theater walked out of the theater and found out about what happened in Aurora, Colorado. This is far worse than that because this character is so much darker. And unfortunately, I think to the people that it could speak to, it's very relatable. Yeah. It, it, and and that's from an award standpoint, this movie will get shoved into the corners of existence if it causes anything. It causes And we're already seeing... There's some mild we're things seeing, popping up. We're seeing credible threats. We're seeing arrests. We're seeing all those kinds of things. And there's also people, and look, we talk about what happened to Thomas and Martha Wayne and, and all of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's unintended consequences, and it's also people that are latching on to messages that aren't there. Right. It's the same thing as the Joker in the film yeah. causing all of what was going on and people treating him the way that they were. This film's not designed that way, but there's also people that can use this as an excuse to do bad things that they were planning on doing anyway. That's right. And I hope none of that comes to pass. It is a so. Do you like it? Can you answer that question yet? I still don't know that I can. I don't think that I do because I'm too worried about it. But I really appreciate that performance. 
I, I can't give him best Joker ever because I've seen Heath Ledger, and that's the best. That's my favorite performance ever. And Mark Hamill is right there. Yeah. And I don't know that this is the Joker. I don't know that he's even in the same classification. I know he is, but I don't see him the way I see any other people that have played this role or any other treatments of Joker. Even as dark as Brian Azzarello's book was years ago, I read that and I was like, wow, that's pretty tough. And Killing Joke was pretty tough as well back in the day, but this is on a totally different level. Here's, here's, here's one more theory that flashed through my mind. And let's just say we go back to my previous theory of this is all in his head. The one thing we don't have established is in his universe, does the character the character of Batman exist? And is he familiar with the backstory of it? And if this is entirely a mental projection, then does he just simply want to become the Joker? Hmm. I had that thought, and it, it I quickly let it go because I think there's something bigger to that uh, than that. But uh, that thought did cross my mind as I was kind of re, kind of replaying some of the por- portions of the movie because the whole Thomas and, and Martha Wayne um, murder, you know, again as he's he's kind of. Uh, you know he's recovering from an, an automobile accident. This plays out, and you you just wonder if this isn't a, a gigantic projection. If it isn't, he knows this story. This story exists to him, and now he's the star. Mm. It's deep. It's different. It's we out know, there. We know the critics are polarized. What do you think that the public, now that it's in their hands, not the negative connotations of what could happen, but how is this film going to be received? I think a lot of people are going to walk out of the theater not entirely sure what they saw. I think a lot of people are going to walk into the theater expecting one thing, get another thing completely. And anytime that happens, there will be people that are gung-ho about it, and then there will be people that will basically curse the day they ever bought a ticket. Like the person behind us in the theater yeah. the screening that yeah. wanted to make sure everyone in the oh, theater heard what, yeah. how yeah. dumb he thought the movie was. And Critics can be a fun group. Yeah, they absolutely can. And one thing that we didn't mention, we could have mentioned off the top on the way out. I said this on Wednesday. I wrote this on my piece. I don't care how upset they get. I know they're going to say, it's Batman. I love Batman. I mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even let teenagers see this. Oh, yeah. Even the stuff that flips through the diary a couple of times, when you see the journal flip through, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that, that makes into serial killers and all that. Just yeah. There's nothing wrong with it except everything is wrong with it. And you just... They don't need to see it. My son, my 10-year-old. I'm sure he's not thrilled. Well, when I, when, when I saw him the next morning, he said, can I see it? And I said, you can't see that when you're an adult. I'm not sure I should have seen it. <laughs> right? I'm going to yeah. turn 41 in 13 days, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, yep. I should have listened to my parents. Should have waited until I was 60 to see that film. It yeah. is, it's inappropriate past every possible way. It could have gone further, which is sickening but not much yeah you know we mentioned something earlier and that is an an obvious prayer and a hope that nothing yes crazy comes from this and this potentially is a step too far but i let me put this out there if you're listening to this and you're planning on seeing this movie and if at any point it inspires you to do something up and walk out stupid i want you to call this number 855 crisis one yes it's 855-274-7400 Seven one, talk to somebody. Don't act on it. This film should not inspire you no. to do anything but be the complete antithesis of virtually everything you see for 122 minutes. Far away from this character as you could possibly be with your life. If you want to be a Todd Phillips character, be Frank the Tank.
be the guy that's always doing something silly on an elevator that yeah <laughs> be like, todd phillips <laughs> yeah be todd phillips in a todd phillips movie do not be joaquin phoenix 855-274-7471 and talk get it out of your system that said it's something that's going to be a conversation piece absolutely and we're sitting here talking about it and we've done 45 almost 50 minutes on it and and it's I just still don't know how to, I feel about the I movie. I have no clue. Tweet me at jmartzone. Tweet us at 104.5 The Zone. Tag it with hashtag pop6 and tell us. And hashtag Joker as well. Tell us if you liked it. Give us a rating. I didn't give it a rating because I have no idea. I just know Joaquin Phoenix was great. We'll talk to you again soon. Clear eyes, full hearts. God bless and good night from Nashville.